When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 99. My name's Turner Sparks. And I am Kaplan. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at Cap in America on Twitter. And where are we on Instagram? We're, I'm Cap in America on Instagram. We're Lost in America Pod on Instagram. I'm Turner Sparks on Instagram. And and on, on, on Twitter, we're also Lost in America Pod. Right? Yeah, the letter N. The letter Twitter N. Twitter doesn't let us. They, they can't handle the amount of characters we have. After a 99 episode. We're almost at 100th episode. We're going to figure that out. On the podcast today, we have Sandra Harwich. She's a journalist. She covers, she's written for the New York Times. She's written for the USA Today. She's written for ESPN.com, the Miami Herald. She's all over the world, Associated Press. She covers tennis around the world at the the highest level. Serena Williams, she knows her by name. I know her by name too. Her name's Serena Williams. Serena Williams knows her by name. Oh, knows her by name. Okay, Sandra. Hey, Sandy. What do you think about this? I. What what do you think about this? Back. Back. Was it backstroke? She knows her so well. She will be listening to this podcast because she'll know her friends on it. So tune in. Make sure to be funny today. Wow. That's okay. (laughs) I know. I know you know a lot about tennis, so you're gonna. I know you're gonna carry this episode. No, this is you need. That's the thing. Typically, I ask a lot of questions on these. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. So this is you. You got the shirt on. You're looking I'm good. You got yeah. a Federer. I'm wearing the Roger Federer shirt, and I'm wearing my tennis shoes. Already dusted these off. You're a big tennis fan, are you not? I am. I'm going tonight. First plug of the episode goes to me. I'm going to be at the U.S. Open tonight. The U.S. Open tonight. The oh. U.S. Open tonight. I'm going to be sitting in the stands. So if you're watching on TV, say hi to me. Wave. <laughs> and it's a it's a it's a Syracuse alumni networking event. So uh, I think it's tax deductible. I'm just assuming. Don't don't ask Gary Sparks. Yeah, my we'll tickets, my hot those hot dogs are like sixteen dollars. A tuna sandwich is like twenty two dollars at the U.S. Open. <laughs> so I'm uh, expensing the whole damn thing. I'm gonna look for some. Po- I'm gonna talk to all the podcasting people there. See if they know any interns. I'm on it. Well, yeah, and the, here's the thing: two things to get you. But one, do I? Yeah, we had we've been talking about this for a few weeks. We need a new intern for the pod, Misha Han. We got a leader in the clubhouse. Misha was on last week. He said he wanted to do the news with us. He just popped in, and on the way out the door, wouldn't you know it? Left a little resume for he us. Sent his resume. In. Left it. Yeah, it's like sort of like a tip the way you leave it in the room and casually walk See, out. Okay, all the high school kids listening right now, you want to get hired somewhere? You just show up. You show up and do the news. Be funny. Kill on the news. Be the do the news. Kill on the news and then bring a paper resume. Don't hey, say I'm going to email yeah. you. We don't do email. Don't yeah. snap it. I mean, to you can us. say a CV because we're an international podcast. That's okay. You can say a curriculum <laughs> verite. Yeah, you know. But bring it on paper. Bring it on paper. So he's and there. Also, he's our leader right now. But we're working on getting some other ones, some Syracuse kids, and some Syracuse kids. We've they, they've reached out to us. They want to do it. Yeah, you were asking me when, when the it, podcasting, the school of podcasting, <laughs> school of Syracuse, <laughs> the podcasting building. Yeah, I don't know if they're coming from the broadcast journalism program there because those guys are probably going to like you know what do you graduate? CBS. With? I have a degree in podcasting. <laughs> I'm a I'm a PDR. You know Pod- what? I if you just throw engineering on the end of that podcast engineer, boom, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know what PDR would have stood for. That's so thirty grand podcast a year. engineer. PE. That's good. Yeah, Randy Lee, I think, is going back to school for that. He is. <laughs> so that's that tonight, everybody. If you're in the if you're in Sacramento, California, or if you're around the world, you yeah. can you can afford a, a plane ticket. 
Southwest Airlines, 50 bucks. Yeah. If you're in Seattle, fly down. And the great thing is because it's I'm the gonna West- be, Wait, I didn't say what I'm doing. Oh. I'm going to be at the Punchline Comedy Club in Sacramento, <laughs> 8 p.m. tonight. Lynn Ruth Miller's on the show. She's 85 years old. You know that? We have an 85-year-old comedian. Wow. She's, gonna, <laughs> she's been on America's Got Talent. Okay. I think I've seen her on America's Got Talent. Yeah, she's an old lady. Old I met lady. her in Vietnam. We were doing shows out there together. She, she, oh, I thought you were like, she served She's her. still there. <laughs> she's still there. <laughs> she went in the 60s and All she right. stayed. No, so, she's, she's been around the world. So tonight you have a busy night if you live in California. Watch early. They watch the U.S. Open at night. You see me because it's a time difference. You see me on TV. Once you see me eating the popcorn or whatever. Ski out. Yeah, yeah. You head over to the punchline. Sacramento, California. I'm headlining all new material. If you saw me last time, it's going to be a blast. Kaplan, Amazon. Yes. If you want to support this podcast, first thing you do, come to my show. First thing you do. If you can't come to my show, go on Amazon. Yeah. If you can't send a, n- a nephew to become our intern. Exactly. That would, that would be helpful too. Or niece. If a niece or nephew will take an intern. But if you can't do that, if you're going to shop on Amazon anyway, which all of you are, Christmas is coming up. The holidays are coming up, as we say in America. They are. Right yeah. around the corner. <laughs> really. Right around the corner. Well, it's, it's late August. You're buying Labor Day gifts, sir. So go uh, before you're going to shop, go to lostinamericapod.com. Click on that book, Audrey yeah. Murray's book in the upper right-hand yeah. corner. Buy, buy her book. Buy or if you, don't, even if you don't want to buy her book, that'll take you back to Amazon, then regular shopping. Yeah. The percentage comes to us. It's Veterans Day, Halloween. We got to pay the There's bills. a lot of gifts to buy. If you have veteran life, costumes, it's all on Amazon. Everything, back to school. Back to school shopping, which is, a, I got to, by the way, I got to, you got to do that. We got a list. You should see the list of back to school shit we have this year. What do you got to get? There's like staples. There's like, ask for 12 paper rolls of paper towels. Like you have to, in New York Wait, City, what? you have to do supplies. Like for who? For your, I, for your school. I'm like, I'm funding the school. Apparently the tax money is not enough. It's public school? Public school, but they're like crayons. What? Uh, paper, notebooks, obviously, but paper towels, tissues, soap, hand soap. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this should be, this should be, I mean, we're jumping the gun on Lost in America. We have something else planned, yeah. but just explain this to me. Wait, you don't, that Uncle Sam doesn't. Um, I mean, Uncle Sam covers a little bit, but. I thought all that money I spent gambling, isn't that supposed to go to schools? We got to legalize it in New York because I, yeah. Right as it is, you there. The, that's why I tried to raise money for the PTA the back lottery. in the day, the Walkathon, because they pay for some of that shit too. But yeah, they're sending you a list of stuff to buy, and I'm assuming it's going to kids kidding? who aren't bringing. It's like literally from a Ruby's for pre-K, public pre-K. It's like twelve rolls of paper, paper towels, and like she's gonna be spilling shit left and right. And there's pencils, there's crayons, there's notebooks. There's I'll get I'll get the whole list for you for uh, for future. This make, I had no but, idea. T- yeah, you're like supplying the whole classroom and stuff. Was this Tape. the case when we were kids? Did our parents do this? No, I don't think so. I don't think, I think we did. had we had a little bit of trapper keeper. And we brought that. And yeah, we you no- bring stuff for yourself. <laughs> yes. But you're not like bringing the um, the teacher their lunch. And <laughs> no. Right? That will be next the year. The teacher requests a ham sandwich. <laughs> Yeah. Take off the crust. Yeah, exactly. The teacher's low carb. Are you guys so, kicking in for air conditioning? Uh, Are you paying the con ed bill? That's soon enough. They're going to crowdsource that. This is insane. <laughs> this is an outrage. So that's why uh, I'm going to go. Everyone who's a parent out there, especially in New York City or any or any crumbling school district, go on Amazon <laughs> yes. for your for all your supplies. They and got it all there. Give money to us. Get, and give money to us. And hey, Let's get to Lost in America. Play the music. Play the music. Wow, that's real. I never knew that.
Kaplan, I'm lost in America yes. this week. We're recording this a little bit in advance. I'm flying to California in a couple days, but I fly often. You do. You're a world traveler. I have a I have Freaking a freaking flyer. Uh, I, now I know I'm breaking new new ground as a comedian, but I need to talk about airline travel. Oh, new yes. Second, if I can, here uh, here's something I don't oh, understand. What's the deal in these United States of America when you go to fly? You bring a bag, yeah, a bag, a suitcase. They want to weigh the suitcase, right? Because the fifty pounds, whatever it is, because the weight of the airplane. If there's too much weight on the airplane, it can't fly, and then you crash, and everyone dies. Yes, you get twenty feet in the air, and then you come straight back down. <laughs> yes, and you crash on the tarmac, and they got to balance the Into plane. A fiery it? death. Uh huh. So they want to make sure that doesn't happen. So then they weigh your bag, uh, so that that doesn't happen. But they weigh the bag, right? But I'm looking around. In my line, there's kids. There's 40-pound kids. There's 500-pound people. Yeah. Guys, whatever. Women. There are women. There's some five. There's Equal people my size, 160, whatever we are. Oh, there's people you. Show you. off. I don't know how much you weigh. There's, I'm 140. Because people don't know what I look like. Short people, tall people, <laughs> all kinds of skinny people, fat people. Shouldn't they weigh you plus your bag? Shouldn't you have to put your bag? If we're going with this idea that too much weight can hurt the plane, then shouldn't your bag go on the scale plus you jump up there? And it should be like an old tag team. It should be a combined <laughs> weight. Combined weight. And then they announce it. A combined Turner Sparks and his uh, his Samsonite are a combined weight of 251 pounds. <laughs> a weigh-in? A weigh-in. Yeah. And you flex your muscles. And you can do, if you choose to do a group fair, leave it with fa- friends or family, because you can average it out. Yeah. Like, that like, could be a whole, like, a, those old, like, triple tag. Like, teams. if you're a fat guy, you got to recruit, like, a thin girl. And, yes. And then to try to, you know, to do, me, do me a favor here. Yeah. Fly with me. Buy some of their weight. <laughs> and then when you're in line, you can sell your, you can scalp your weight. <laughs> scalp your weight. I, I'm coming in 50, like, the, the, the weights, um, say the weights, I think it should be a combined 250 pounds. Yeah. 200 pounds for a person. No, say 300. 250 for a person, 50 for a bag. Or if you weigh 200, you get a 100 pound bag. Or if you weigh 350, no bag, and you got a treadmill. Right. <laughs> you got to run it off. You got to sweat it out before they, you can get on. Do they ever make uh, – is there a limit? I don't even know. Do you have to, if you're really fat, buy a second seat ever, or is that never enforced? Yeah, yeah no, you, you have to buy is? a second seat, but that's more your circumference more than right, it is your Right, because you're taking weight. up space. You're talking about – It's human space, yeah. Um, so I think you should – but shouldn't the combined weight – doesn't that make more sense? Or am I – tell me, am I crazy? Well – Should we change the segment to tell me, am I crazy? <laughs> Is it 50 pounds? You're always hitting it? or I hit it sometimes, but I'm saying that I weigh one six. I think 300 pounds is a, is a reasonable. Right, you should be negotiating. If you them. weigh 298, guess what? You get to bring a fanny pack. But I don't, are you like aware you can go over the weight? You have to pay, you can go over. Yes, so you can't go over. You can't go over, but you have to pay. Right. So, so what so, I'm saying is. So you're saying they should charge fat people. That's what you're coming out in. No, I'm <laughs> saying it should be a combined weight. Like, wait, they should, okay. They should, if you're going to say that weight matters, combined weight also matters. Right, right. I think that would be a better way. I think the airline should. I'm do, on the side of logic. Right. Well, I think the way the current system is, it's like clearly the airline's just, it's like a shakedown. It's like, a shakedown. Like when uh, I explained to my kids of why the, they give out parking tickets when they change the sign, it's because they're looking to get money off you. Like they, sure. they just throw in a no standing this sign today, and all of a sudden every car in the street. So they just no ma- standing. They have a yeah. no standing. No standing means no parking. It's like another way to say no parking. I don't understand it. That's weird. That's but next week's LA. yeah, next week's episode. <laughs> it's like no standing anytime. No standing. Oh, who the fuck? Yeah, my car's not. But anyway, uh, it's the same thing. The airlines need to come up with some fees. Yes, they came up with all these fees, and one of them was the bag weight thing. They came, they this fifty pound bullshit, and they can't say human weight because then they're gonna get uh, yeah. people are gonna be marching against them. Although let's be honest, those right. people, they're not gonna want. Well, they march. don't want to anger because people. Yeah, it's like people aren't as offended if you just tell them because you're like it's a way of being. I'm rich. 
feel like I have so much stuff I bring with me. Well, in the old days, being fat was a way to be rich. Right. We got to get back to that way. But, but but if we make it fun, like you're, you have an idea to make this fun. Yes. If you can make this fun it's with like the a way. It's a carnival game. Yeah. So, all right. And guess... maybe even you do a light up, uh, <laughs> like when you hit the thing. Yeah. Like you hit the sledgehammer, it goes boop. Yeah. Or, and then if you hit the top, it's like, you get a bear. Yeah. And if you can guess your weight, I feel like you could guess some random people's weight within a. Uh, a certain accuracy, maybe you wave the fee. There's great things idea. to do with this. Great Make idea. travel fun again. If anyone's going to try this, I think like Southwest Airlines. You know how they make them do like comedy on the flights now? They do? Oh, yeah. You haven't been on Southwest? I've never flown Southwest oh. my whole life. Southwest, they get the, the flight attendants. They stand up at the front. They do like st- stand-up routine. Oh, really? It's pretty bad. It's all- <laughs> Is it part of the safety it's check? It's all stolen material. Yeah, it's all part of the safety check and everything. All right, so that's that, Cap. I don't know if we solved anything, but let's keep the show moving because we got more stuff to get to this week. We have, we've been getting great. So uh, if you like the show, if you're having a good time, if you hate the show, we don't really care. Go on iTunes and review us. It really helps us move up the rankings. Five star, give us a five star review, but then say whatever you want. Yeah. Give and us five stars. We, we, we need you guys if you like the pod or even if you hate the pod, but you like us. Yes. Say something nice on iTunes. Or you can say something us. terrible, but you have to give us five stars. You can say something terrible if you're witty about it. So you said we've we've got some uh, good reviews yeah, recently. We've got what do some we have? good ones recently. We're going to start reading them off. Who do we have? So them from? And then we got one recently from Run and Stuff. He writes top five. Or top- I, Ooh. I don't know if he's saying it's top it should, five podcast. I would say top, top one. Fi- top one, yeah. Who are the other we, four? We'd like to be more specific unless, yeah. We'll so, take it. We'll it take says, it. honestly, great, super positive, funny, great stories. Good for anyone that's interested in the world. Keep up the good work. We'll take so, it. Thank you, top five. Thank you, What's Run his and name? Stuff. Run, and, Run and Stuff. Run and Stuff. So thank you for that. And we're, 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 we'll be reading more reviews in the coming read weeks. Read more. Read more. We got to read more? Oh, all right. Let's get one let's more. Let's go with one more. I, I need to feel good about myself. I've this had a one down is, day. This one says, Turner and Cap are absolutely hilarious. I could listen to debate for hours. Love the banter, guys. Keep up the good work. Ooh, la, la. who's that from? That's from, and it says, big fan of the pod is the title. Five stars. A D Freilich. I don't know who that is. True Freilich. <laughs> True Freilich. Comedian out of Shanghai. Now based in Detroit, Michigan. Well, that's good. So, let yes. me say this. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh. The Lord taketh. What are, we, what are you going to say? We have some hate Negative mail. Negative reviews? Oh, hate mail. We have some straight up. Should we play the hate mail music? Play the hate mail song that I haven't heard in a while. Don't hate All right, Kaplan, you ready for this? I am. I'll I mean, do- I'm not ready. I, I don't like bad news. I don't know how else to. St- I'm just gonna. Start I respond it. to it the way Trump. I, you know, I just put me on Fox and Friends. I like the Fox and Friends. Don't put me. Don't give me bad news. Okay, well here we go. First time, long time. Oh, that's how they start. Good start. I'm writing from deep inside of America, <laughs> where people still have values. Apparently. Okay. I. I I'm. A, that's I'll- a shot at New York City. I think. Is that sound, is that anti-Semitic, Semitic yet or no? I don't think. I think uh, it's a shot at the coasts. Okay. These liberal elites. All right. I'm a global. They, they, we're globalists. I here. think we are. To say, to say, Turner Sparks should be ashamed of himself. Oh, I agree. For attacking a six-year-old child on the last episode. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I'm writing to say the terms are for shade of something last episode. Going after Teddy Kaplan for voicing his opinion about your unfunny comedy and making him, in quotes, the enemy of the pod, as you say, makes you less of a man than he will ever be. Yes. And this oh, is the opposite. I'm sorry I accused the anti-Semitic. This is saying, this is standing up for the young Jewish boy who's being assaulted <laughs> by the powerful this, Gentile. This is the, the power structure. Yeah. This is saying Alien. I attacked him based off of his uh, his religious beliefs. Yes. Which is not true, but I'll and, keep reading. And also, being Russian, you probably don't like. I, yeah, <laughs> that to the list. Yeah. Thank you, whoever this is. I don't know how how you do it in New York City, but we here in Allentown, Pennsylvania, oh. respect our kids. <laughs> is this my mom? I don't know. <laughs> and then it's, it ends. Still a fan of Kaplan, though. Oh, nice. Signed, Upset in America. Upset in America. Well... I wish they didn't stay there from Allentown because now I'm thinking like it's someone I might know. But got, I'm glad I'm glad we're getting hate mail. I got this to say. <laughs> I don't apologize. Yeah. Well, you weren't there. I expect an apology. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. I don't know if Te I, I'll I, get my mom to write in next week. I try to get Teddy to end his thoughts on the podcast. I try to get him to end his thoughts on the um show. And when he saw I was recording, he said it was good. So oh, he liked the show. So here's the thing. I, I'm he not said everybody was good. I said, was anybody not uh, funny? He goes, everybody. So I think, Now I feel better. Yeah, so he, he threw out an olive branch, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's... You know, six-year-olds don't know how to feud properly. I'm still thinking. Yeah. You're, well, you're, 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 yeah. I haven't fully accepted it. <laughs> yeah, because I don't actually have any evidence of that, so you shouldn't accept it. So that's the hate mail, Kaplan. All right, so two to one, though. We got one, one ahead. Exactly. Two, two positives. Two positives, one negative. So and what, the one negative feels like it's, it's, it feels like it comes from very close to home. Yeah. We'll see. It's is an app. my dad. He would have, was it written, handwritten note? It's it's typed. Oh. And it's to my email. Well, this could give you a clue. It's it's to my email box. Uh-huh. Personal email. But it's from uh, someone who clearly, it seems like they just created a new email oh, a address. a burner account. A burner account. <laughs> Brian Colangelo. So I don't know Maybe who, he's hiding out in Allentown. And I don't know who in Allentown is also a big fan of Teddy Kaplan. Teddy Kaplan loves to wear collared shirts. It's a very inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> so find a new slant, Turner Sparks. Find a new slant. <laughs> Maybe I will. Okay, so uh, Ince is an app. Yes. And but we have Ents the Great app, but let's just demonstrate what it is saying because we yeah, got an Ents. We got a fan Ents from the great one of the greats on Ents, Jennifer Miles Peak. What does she have to say? She's got a question for us. Should I play it? Play it. Hey guys, quick question about nicknames. So I have this problem, which is I hate when people shorten Jennifer to Jen or Jenny. It really bothers me. And because of that. And because there are so many Jennifers, for a long time, I've sort of gone by the nickname of Miles. It's my maiden name. But um, kind of like coaches call players by their last name and that. Um, I've had other people call me Miles, and it just stuck. And so I asked people just to call me Miles to keep them from shortening my name to Jen or Jenny. So my question is, Michael, you have kids. But even you, you go by Kaplan. And Turner, I don't know, do people call you Turn? Um, I don't understand this fascination with shortening names. So have people shortened your names, called you other things? Do you want your kids to have nicknames or other kids shorten their names? Like instead of Ruby, call them Rube or something like that. Anyway, it, it bothers me to no end. And I just want to know that I'm not alone. 
Jennifer Miles Peak. Thank you. Yeah, and you're never alone when you're on ends, for starters. Do people call your kids Rube? <laughs> yeah. Do they call Rube? Do they call well Teddy is me, a nickname, right? Well, yeah, let's start with that. Well, let's start with Ruby. I do I do not want anybody calling her Rube. I don't like that at all. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds an old, with boob a little bit. I don't isn't like it. Fifties like term for like your your Rube. Rube. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that. No, I think Ruby. I I like that we pick names that were like Ruby is no nickname. It's just Ruby. You're right. Now, te yeah, Teddy's real name is Theodore, but from the beginning we were calling him Teddy, and then it, so it works in reverse where he likes to call himself sometimes Theodore, and he introduces himself to people as Theodore, oh, that's which funny. then almost like I was like, well, your name's Teddy. So what about Ted? Do you think when he's an adult or? I mean, Randy Kaplan will not be happy if he's Ted. Really? That's that's the one thing you're not allowed to call him Ted. I'm not sure about Theo. Why not Ted? Ted. She Cruz? doesn't like the name Ted. <laughs> Ted Cruz. She doesn't like Ted Cruz. He was named Ted Cruz, actually. <laughs> yeah. Bill and Ted. But uh, yeah, no, he was, and his middle name is Miles. So we'll that that he go with that. Ted Miles. Teddy. Ted Miles. Teddy Miles. Um. Yeah. So for, I mean, me growing up, I was always Mike. Like I think people just call me Mike for a while, and then it became Kaplan. Kaplan's no. a much stronger name. So Kaplan. So what happened though is at some point, I think I may have mentioned this once before, but people started shortening it to Cap. People yes. always call me Cap, I and do. it's not like I don't like it, but it doesn't. Kaplan's a character. Wait, but Cap in America is yeah. your. Uh... I, uh, I know, but Cap. But if you're talking about like the word Kaplan, like if if I was writing a, a character in like a screenplay or a book, yes, Kaplan would be a good alias if I didn't have the name Kaplan. It's like a Kramer. It's like exactly where Cap minus the Cap. You know, it, it does lose a little bit, so I don't always like it. You okay. Know, even though I go by Captain America, yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's the short of it. All right, let's get to our guest. Yeah, bring her in. Come on in. All right, we're back with our guest, Sandra Harwood. Sandra, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks Thank for coming you. on. I've been listening to the pods. Have you? Really? I'm practicing. I'm practicing. doing my homework. What'd you hear? <laughs> Who's better, me or Kaplan? Let's just start there. <laughs> if it was a tennis match, <laughs> if it was who, would I, who would I be in the analogy? Would I be Federer or of podcasting or no? Uh, not yet. Not yet, no. But you're working oh. on it. I'm working on it. You're working on it. I'm like... Uh, you're about 50 to, in the world, but moving up fast. Yeah. It's hard to battle the champ. No, my goal is <laughs> to be like, uh, like Leighton Hewitt or someone who's like number one for like a second. And then I just lose it. Yeah, but he's had a there. great career. Yes, I'm still few. number one for a second. <laughs> I want to be number one for a second. World. One week, I want to be the number one podcaster. Yeah, in the I would world. take that. Kaplan's wearing a shirt in your honor. Yeah, I'm wearing I, my Roger Federer. Although you're telling me, you're telling me this is not fashionable anymore. This is this is off. It's a Nike shirt. It, 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 it's a dinosaur it's already di because he doesn't wear Nike. He went to Uniqlo, the uh, average man's uh, company. But he does Uniqlo, <laughs> but he also is big into Rolex. I see he wears. He has to wear a Rolex while he plays because they're a sponsor. That seems like a contradiction, no? I'm sure that Rolex <laughs> is turning over on his wrist going, oh, no, I don't belong here. Once yeah. Uniqlo starts <laughs> making watches. Well, don't you think it's like, uh, uh, do you think he can use an excuse? Because I couldn't play tennis with a watch, personally, or any sport. If they were paying like you what they're paying him, yeah, you you'd be wearing it. a watch. Right. <laughs> you can figure it out. <laughs> All right. So okay. it's good. So you, um, we were just talking off air, but we could start. So you've covered tennis around the world for a while. I just, a while sounds good. Let's read your credits. <laughs> Many years. <laughs> the USA Today, you've written for ESPN.com, the Associated Press, Miami Herald, the New York Times. All of those All have the been crazy enough to hire me at different times. That's fantastic. I'm here in New York. Uh, I'll be covering the U.S. Open for USA Today. I'm their, their only writer on the ground. Really? Yeah. So that's what's happening with all, because who was it that just, uh, was it Daily News? The, the New York Daily News just fired like everyone in the sports department. Everybody. The paper, really. They have robots. Russian bots are now <laughs> writing for the New York Daily News. I'm in a dead profession. 
<laughs> so, yeah, but you're the last one. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. They, they still need one. <laughs> All right. I wish I was the one. Well, I'm sure tennis is so is, is gaining so much popularity right in America. You're going to tell us about that. So there'll be lots. Still, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Everywhere I go, I see kids playing tennis. So, but with the journalist thing, so you're the one person covering the, the U.S. Open for the, for the USA Today. How many people say like 10 years ago we're co- would be covering it? They probably might have had like two people, but you would get like where really is noticeable is like wire service, like Associated Press. They would cover a Grand Slam and they would have four or five people and often would hire me as a independent six because I'm a freelancer. And uh, nowadays they'll do it with one or two. Some days one, sometimes two. Everything has changed. It's like and then they'll cover some events just from back home in the office. Whether it's watching on TV and pretending writing the story then? I didn't say anything, but <laughs> yes. I oh used to God. watch NBA in China. They would show the American NBA games, but then the two announcers, they didn't have the budget to fly them to America, so they would just sit in a studio in Beijing, but do the commentary. Yeah. Well, and so they were just, they were the, the slave to whoever was running the TV <laughs> camera right. in Houston. And we'll go to our silent reporter is like someone in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> they do that. Like Tennis Channel will do that. And they'll have people in the studio in California and they'll be covering an event in Europe. Really? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And do they pr- pass it off like they're not doing that? or they're just- No, they're honest. They're up front like, well, that they're in the studio. Yeah, we're the tennis channel. What Watching do you want? the TV. <laughs> what do you want from us? Yeah. I've seen them do... They used to do that with soccer a lot in America. I feel like now they don't do that anymore with like the Champions League games and stuff. Now but that's what happens when all of our generation wants everything for free, right? We Of course. All this media, all these like you want to just read stuff for free. Well, that's the problem. I mean, yeah. the thing is nobody actually sat down and said, how are you going to use the internet to our advantage? So every paper just threw their, you know, stuff online and never thought about how they could make money on it. And now your, your generation or the generation that's coming and everything like that, they just think they're entitled to it for free. So they don't want to do the pay. Totally. Yeah, and we read more content than like any, you know, now it's so much content in your fingertips, but then we don't want to, anytime you're like, oh, charge, firewall, paywall, I'm like, oh, screw that. Right, yeah, move on to the that. next place. I don't think, we, we're from a weird generation that we were, when we were younger, it was not, nothing was free. And then all of a sudden it became free. And for a little while, I felt like I was like cheating almost. Yeah. But now the people younger than us, they just expect it all to be free. Or they can't read. Or they don't know how to read. (laughs) I read the newspaper. Let's get my hands dirty. These millennials don't know how to read. I used to read the USA Today every day when I came from school. (laughs) I'd have a bowl of chips and salsa and a Snapple. Really? And read the USA Today sports page. It was the most colorful. Yeah. Well, and it's good. It's like, you know. Peter Vesey. I write long. You know, that's my problem, as I've always been long. Even my story, I just did a story on Arthur Ashe, so it will come tomorrow's paper, I believe. They had a condenser for the paper. and Online, it will probably be the full version. Of course, I went very long. They asked for 700 words, and I don't know, it's like 1250. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I nice. Like 702. You can pay well, by the I word. Said, I said, I, yeah, I wish. <laughs> I said I write long. <laughs> And the story was, it's about Arthur's brother, or is it? Well, no, I talked to Arthur's brother. He won the uh, first U.S. Open, which was for professionals, 50 years ago, in 1968. Ironically, he was an amateur because he was an Army lieutenant. So he couldn't take the prize money, which was $14,000, and they thought that was like the mint, like, you know, incredible. Like, you opened up the banks and just handed. So where do you go with the money year's This year, it went to the runner-up, Tom Acker, who's a Dutchman. Yep. And uh, this year, the prize money for the champion, both the men and the women, same, equal pay, 
$3.8 million. Wow. <laughs> yeah. A woman's getting that too. And that, that goes to a Dutchman <laughs> as well? <laughs> well, we don't know. Wait, good. And, and you just did gloss over something though. I got it. Because I don't know uh, as much about tennis as, as both of you do. Um, is it it's equal pay because it has to be or because they're equally as popular? Well, there was a whole are men's and movement. women's tennis equally as popular as each other. It depends. It feels like they kind it goes of are. in. It, it goes in runs. On the I feel like players. It depends on the tournament, and it's because it's politically correct to give equal prize money. I mean, can you say that they're not working hard? I mean, just because they're playing, you know, best of three sets as opposed to best of five sets. The better players, men, want to play best of five because they're going to fare better. But I mean, they train and they put the money into it and they do all that. So they are putting in the effort. Yeah, but you could say that about like the WNBA as well. And you're not going to convince someone to pay but the difference is, someone 30 million because what LeBron's I think aesthetically, making tennis is different than basketball. Well, that's what I'm saying. Because you know, so dunking, for instance, or like. It's more of so an like, equal. Well, is it? That's my question. Yeah. Is it equally as popular? It must be I think similar. So. Well, I think it's, it's even more popular. No matter how hard they're you're, working, if one's not making money, they're not going to get paid equal. Right. I mean, there is a school of thought. Some people feel like the women are tagging on to the men, but in a lot of tournaments, it's not that way, and they're as popular. And it depends. Every tournament's different. That's, a, I mean, this year's Australian Open. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind being there. The women's event was totally more interesting and and more watchable and things like that than the men's turned out to be. So you know, there it was the women. Then you'll get to another place, and the men are more you know compelling. It depends on the drawer and how it all comes out. So I do think it equalizes. And, you know, to me, I think you should get what the traffic bears. Um, sorry, when you, uh, back to the the men and women, you're saying in different countries or different tournaments, it's different ones popular. Right. Is that based off of the local population? Are there some countries that are more interested in seeing men's or women's or it's just, what's it based on? I don't on? know. I think it's really a mismatch, you know, miss. Yeah. Mishmash. Yeah. I got that. Um, so I don't think there's any tried or true, you know, no formula on that. I just think it depends. I know people who are just, you know, there's nothing but women's tennis. And then there are people who are like, I'm not watching that. And, you know, the same for the men. So, and a lot of people pick their player and they'll follow that player to the ends of the earth. And you know Serena Williams, right? I do. Pretty well? Yeah, very well. I uh, first met Serena when she was about 11. Wow. I went to, she came with uh, Venus to, I was doing an interview with Venus. She was 13. And I met them at an academy. They played at the uh, Rick Macy, out of the Rick Macy Academy. And like, I think it was Boca or Fort Lauderdale or something like that at the time. And uh, she, even back then, like, I was there to see Venus, but Venus was more quiet and whatever. And Serena was like a chatterbox. Blah, 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 blah. And she still is. So, uh. Yeah, because Venus was really hyped, too. And then Serena just somehow just beat even. Just, they, they're well, the father there, always but, said yeah. that Serena was going to be the better. But, you know. Wasn't I mean, he crazy Venus, father, kind of? Um, I'm trying to figure out, like, what kind of crazy tennis dad I want to become right. for my he, kids. So. You he, know what? In a certain way, he was a little out there. But in the end, I think he was better than a lot of the others because they once they reached adulthood, he backed off. Oh, okay. And you That's know, he they had boyfriends or whatever. And I mean, he really did kind of give them leeway where I mean, I have to tell you, some of these players just 
their parents are there. I mean, they're 32 years old and their parents are there. I won't give a name because I don't want, but... Come I mean, on! No, I can't. But <laughs> we need ratings. The whole tour one, is listening to this. One, to us. One, one guy who no longer plays and everything, his parents always travel with him. And they, you know, the players after 1990 got a free room and his parents always stayed in the same room. In the room with him? Yes. It's a tough way no to name. get groupies. Wow. <laughs> After 1990, that doesn't really narrow it down. <laughs> We're going to have to go. Sounds like Jim Curry. No, a little sooner than that. No, it was definitely not. we got to cross-reference the uh, athletes who played tennis after 1990. Yeah. But so, who do we have? So um, you've seen her. Have you been around the world with, with, with where uh, Serena's... Are there countries that she's more popular or less popular? Or uh, like, is, where is she the biggest? Would it be here in the United States? Um, probably, but there. I think she. It's interesting with both the Williams sisters. I think they're wildly popular with some segment of the tennis fan pu- public, and then others don't like them. I mean, there's no like I'm neutral. It doesn't seem about either one of them. Uh, I I actually really like Serena. I find her, um, no, she has her moments, everyone does. And, you know, when you're a star, you're a star. But she is, uh, I find her very engaging and uh, very funny. And I, I have a great relationship with her. Matter of fact, two years ago when she won the Australian Open and she's like digging in her purse afterwards, she did like a, after the main press conference, she did a small one for a select group of media. And uh, all of a sudden she comes out with this engagement ring that could just about blind you or whatever, but it's filthy. And so afterwards and everything, all these these other writers kind of like shake her hand and I go to, you know, and she goes, we're friends, hug me. I said, and I want to see you clean that ring. (laughs) You don't take care of a ring. Like, well, I just threw it in my purse. I said, no. When you you have a ring like that, Serena, I expect you to make sure it sparkles every day. Do you understand? All these other people looking at me like, you're telling him that? I go, yeah. If I had a ring like that, boy, I'd be like blowing on it and rubbing it all day long. I I got a jeweler for her if she needs. She does cleaning. <laughs> How do they like her in China? Because you said we were saying before we started the podcast, you go to this uh, the Shanghai tournament, right? Every th- year. Well, that's men's. So oh, that's she's men's. Not there, yeah. So, but I think she has played some of the women's tournaments. Was she in there. the Olympics in two thousand eight? She was at the Olympics in two thousand eight, and uh, they won the doubles, but they both lost early in the uh, round. I worked at the uh, for the Beijing Olympic Committee. I was uh, the uh, ONS, Olympic News Service Manager uh, at the tennis. And what does that mean? Uh, it's kind of like uh, they run an internal wire service like Associated Press so that obviously if you write for the Washington Post and you have two writers, let's say, for the Washington Post there and you might have uh, some athletes, six or seven athletes in variety of sports playing, at that time you can't go to all those venues. So this way some... Uh, the Olympic News Service, which has an entire staff of people, and that staff was under me, if there was somebody from that area where that paper was from, I'm filing constant reports from what's going on so they can just insert it right into their copy like they were there. And how was... Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a great job. Yeah. You know, you have to write anything? Yeah. Just like, send me something from Beijing and yeah. I'll, I'll put it out, put my yeah. name on it. What about... Because uh, Lena, I remember she was really popular, right? The tennis player? Very popular, well, she, yeah. She was like the Yao Ming, but for tennis, for China. How high did she get in the rankings? I don't... 
Oh, she was number one and she won two she grand slams. Yeah. And a matter of fact, just oh. yesterday. When was this? Came... I missed that somehow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> I'm telling you about I'm sexist, tennis. apparently. I missed that. <laughs> There's a problem here, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, also, when you're in China, like, you can't miss. She was right. on every Gatorade bottle. Okay. She was on for a while. And then I can tell you it went south for she, her. She was one of the players just yesterday nominated for potential um, International Tennis Hall, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, okay. Yesterday. So, so how was that with her? Did you cover her? Beijing. How was the Beijing experience overall? The, the Beijing Olympics? experience was great. I mean, I it well, was amazing. I've worked two Olympics. I've worked that one in Rio. Beijing, I did the uh, test event at the tennis in the October before. They could have started the Olympics that day. Everything was pretty much ready. Yeah, like six but, months early. And it was great. I had a, like 15 or 16 kids from the University of Iowa who I was supposed to make into journalists in like three and a half, four weeks of training. And then I had about, oh, 12 to 15 uh, English language students that were Chinese from there. And they, they, everybody was great. And they gave me a great present afterwards. And they said they learned a lot. But the thing with the Chinese kids were they all, everybody in China picks, uh, you probably know this, you lived in China, um, but everybody picks their English name. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing, when you pick a name and it wasn't given to you, well, you can change up that name. So there I am the first week, and there's some of these women. It was basically all women. Uh, you know, one day they were Petunia, and the next day they were Violet. And, like, <laughs> and of, I finally was like... I was a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of flowers. Yeah. A lot of flowers. I, I love say flowers. they're bandwagon jumpers. Like, they pick who's doing well in the Olympics, and that person loses, and, like, I'm changing... Well, people would always... Um, so the first thing... Because Chinese Serena. names all have a um, very literal meaning. Right. Like, my name's, like, whatever. And then you're like, oh, what does that mean? They're like, oh, it means, like, fire, rain, uh, like, rising star. Right. And so whenever... Because I used to teach English, and when I would give kids ch uh, English names, their first question is always, what does it mean? And so if your name a kid like Jerome, like, what does it mean? I don't know. It's just like a name that people have. So then they wanted a name that was a literal name. Right. So it had to be like, yeah, Azalea. Right. Or that... Petunia. I didn't know a lot of Petunias, yeah, but no. I'm sure they were all in Beijing. But I was so confused after a while. So finally, I just had it one day. I just like after like on the Friday, I go, OK, we're having a meeting now. OK, for all the Chinese kids here, you are going to have to pick your English name for the entire Olympics. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, if Tuesday you decide you don't like Violet, it's too bad. If you pick Violet today, you're Violet <laughs> yeah. for the next six weeks. That's it. And they were all kind of perturbed, but we finally got, because I couldn't keep remembering different names. I don't know all these kids. Yeah, they're just like, today I feel like this. Today yeah. I feel like that. I thought, yeah, did your, a lot of your kids pick like basketball player names? Or? Well, they didn't know. Like I, they, So they had names in their book. Well, I used to, I, the first year there, I taught school. I taught high school kids. So they had a name in their book that they could pick. But those were all, it was like six names. And yeah. like, you can't name everyone Matt or yeah. Steve or Kevin. And so they asked me, like, suggest some names. So the only names I could think of were people in my family. Because actually, <laughs> when you try to think of just names, you run out pretty quick. If you have to write like 50 names on a chalkboard, you can get to 20 and then you're out of ideas. So then I just started writing down play, NBA players. Yeah. So it was like LeBron, Kobe, Carmelo, <laughs> Keon, because Keon Clark. Keon Clark. We had, we had a Keon in my class. Oh, it was hilarious. No Lee Nas. What's that? No, no Lee Nas. Yeah. No, no, I, no, that's not an English name. <laughs> Lee Nas, Chinese name. So she was, uh, she got to be super popular though. Oh, yeah, she's very popular. And I think she probably still is. And she was a little bit of a renegade because she had some, you know, 
you know, words with the Chinese Federation and she wasn't going to necessarily give up all her money and wanted to live a more free lifestyle. So was it true? I think they worked it out. But. I remember that she wanted to, uh, she was training in the U.S. and they didn't like that. They wanted her to train in China. Is this, am I remembering this correctly? And so then she actually, the government kind of like aced her out for a little while. I think um, that was the story, but I actually, I can't absolutely guarantee it, but I think that that does It was happen. something similar, and then she had to work. She worked her way back in eventually. But the thing is, it's, it, now there's a few academies out there. I know Justine Anon, I think, coach had opened one over there and stuff. But even here, I mean, you're not going to become a player if you come from Kansas City and there's no other players. You've got to be where there's, where there's competition mm. so that you can foster and they, they push each other and everything. So if you're the long kid in Beijing or Shanghai training, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you don't want to be just whooping up on people who stink yeah. every day. I right. try. I, I, <laughs> you got to go play somebody that's good. Right. I went right. to this you got to lose. Yeah. I went to this thing called the Competitive Edge Tennis Program. That's how I got up to number honorable mention, I think, in the under 12s in, in the Lehigh Valley. So. See, there you go. <laughs> cool. And what about, so what other tournaments you've covered? Uh, Shang, the one in Shanghai. How is that? Is that fun to go around the world and do these things? I mean, I, I love the travel. I mean, it would be nice if I could go first class, but uh, oh, no. Come on. <laughs> I was going to yell at who, who so, uh, ESPN. Hook it up. So a lot is, of the time as a freelancer, I'm paying my own way and sure. stuff like that. So I know to take the aisle seat, you know, that's the best I can but do. You go, you go to the Australian open. The I go to the Australian open. I go to a tournament, uh, often in Qatar in Doha. How's that? I go to the Dubai tournament. I, it's interesting. It's very interesting. They're both very interesting. Um, you know, Doha has more of an Arabic feel than like Dubai, where it's a lot of expats. Hmm. Um, so it, it's an interesting situation because they're both, I mean, compared to other countries there, I'm sure, open. I mean, not everybody from there wears traditional uh, garb and stuff like that. So it depends. But what's interesting is I've gone shopping. And the women, you know, they're in their burkas and everything like that. But it's kind of like a communal um, trying on room. And underneath is like tight jeans and tight <laughs> tops really? and like this sexy lacy underwear. And I was like, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for uh, your husband? Uh, Just yeah. for the, <laughs> the dressing room. It's, uh, but then the women can play the tennis, though. I mean, there's no barriers to what the women, like the players can wear whatever, right? I mean, they the wear normal tennis. The players wear whatever yeah. they, yeah. There's no barriers so, to, I mean, so the first time I went there, I was, it was like, I was a little nervous and everything. The first place I went was Doha and I was like, oh, I better be respectful. So, you know, I kind of, even though I thought it was going to be high, I bought all pants so that my knees would be covered and I kind of wore tops that were like below the, uh, you know, my wrists and they were down my wrists and everything. It's like, I look like I was a religious Jew. It's like, I didn't even have those clothes. <laughs> so, but you know, some of these women, a one girl from the WTA tour who runs the women's, they, they had little spaghetti strap tops on and stuff. So I used up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> have the, have, has it been as, as, do you see it getting more popular? Like, from China from the first time you went or, or the Middle East from the first time you went, is, is tennis growing or is it I, I have a been. feeling it's kind of like evened off. It was really popular before the Olympics, but I think since the Olympics, it's kind of hmm. a little slower there. Although I will say um, Shanghai in recent years has 
filled in the stadium, particularly at the end of the week when the fi- you know quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, it's pretty popular now. And is that just star-driven, do you think? Like the big names, nah, people come out to see the big names? I'm not really sure. I mean, the problem that they have in Shanghai, which you might not, is the tournament's actually not near Shanghai City. People, oh. You know, people, even the tour, we stay in Shanghai. Yeah. So it's a good hour to an hour and a half to get out to uh, where the where the event is. It's very much, yeah, China's very much like the 80s was in the U.S. where right. they, like, if you want to build like a sports stadium, they're like, instead of building it in the, in the middle of the city, here's a way better idea. In suburbs. Let's build it right an hour middle. away. Right. Because that's where the land is, I guess. It's cheaper to build. And then or... I think 10 years from now, they're going to like be putting everything back down. Right. The now it's trendy in America to bring into the city. But yeah, that was the yeah that was the move in the 80s. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, but, uh, land is cheaper and there's more, but people don't want to go out. And I think that, you know, they all have a, this thing, well, we'll build we'll build hotels out there and we'll build all this. But really and truthfully, who doesn't want to stay in Shanghai and go shopping? It's a great right. city. <laughs> yeah. They got unique uh, love. Shop a whore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like in a, I mean. Where is tennis most popular? Which country? I think that, you know, where you have the top players and everything. I think it's probably very popular in the UK because it's always been popular there. I mean, Wimbledon is just a different animal than a lot of other events. And I think it's popular in Spain and it's, you know, Rafa makes it popular and stuff like that. Does Serbia, like Novak, make it more popular in Serbia? Serbia, I think. But the problem there is that they don't really have a tournament, you know. So, But in Spain, they have a number of tournaments. And what about, like, tennis courts? Like, we have public tennis courts here in the U.S. Is that a thing around the world? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. A lot of places have it. And you have to remember, in in a lot of places, like in England, I mean, next to soccer, which... They call football. I mean, tennis is like the next sport. You know, maybe cricket and stuff like that. But how does a sport like tennis vie with baseball, football, basketball, you know, even In the U.S. Yeah. I think it's always that it gets this reputation of like being like the, you know, the like country club sport or whatever in America. And like for some reason, like golf, well, Tiger Woods like transcended that with golf for like a moment. Like everyone was into golf and was watching it. I wasn't, but a lot of people were. Yeah. Well, that's never, that's just with tennis. I don't, maybe that happened back with like Macron no, Connors days. The, but the Williams sisters. Yeah. On you got to have more tennis. men playing against women. Yeah. That, yes. The Battle of the Sexes <laughs> movie. I, I think more people saw that movie. Yeah. Than, my like, wife was like watching that movie. She was like, is this real? I'm like, yeah, it's a real story. Like, she didn't, how did this happen? And like that whole, yeah, they filled up the Astrodome. But the truth is, and, and McEnroe's been, John McEnroe's been criticized many times, but I think he, in a lot of ways he's right. I mean, he could probably go out there at, uh, I think John's like 59 or 60. I can't remember. But he could probably beat some, you know, pretty high-ranked women. Now that's you know, something I would watch. Yeah, yes, that would be. But, but he's, you know, that, but, he, but you know, but he, he stays he in shape. Does he say he, he can? Is that what he said? He said he could, and then he it's got it. people got mad at him. <laughs> but I mean, he could. But he's like yeah. one of the best, most talented tennis players ever, and he's still in shape. I mean, right? But so. I mean, and it's different. I mean, it, there's no doubt that it's different. You know, being a guy than a, a woman. Yeah, yeah. It's a fact of life. It's funny that's a controversial statement now, but it's not at all. Yeah, it's like that's <laughs> no, the thing. That doesn't mean that the women players aren't great. It's just different, whatever. They're right? different. Yeah. You know, I think- loves table tennis. Oh yeah, they do. Ping pong's Ping huge pong's in China. So then regular tennis. I think it's pretty big. But I was, I'm, th- I'm trying to think of, um, if, I th- if the, if there were even public tennis courts where I lived. 
I don't know if the, I think you had to rent them. I don't know if there was public, but there's not a lot of pub, there's not public basketball courts where right. I live. But he, even here, I think there are a lot of those. places you have to rent. And could yeah. might be nominal fee, okay. but I think the way to get tennis more popular, if it, I don't know how we could do this, but it's like the like soccer's popular, more popular now because of the World Cup. So like, how do you make the Davis Cup more popular? Because that's that Davis. Do you know what the Davis Cup is? I've heard of it. It's like teams, countries face each other. Oh, that's cool. Like if we started with USA with Russia in some sort of battle, yeah. Right now people would be into that because everyone's sure. anti on Russia and everything. Yeah. This is a kind of a sore <laughs> subject at this point. Uh, you know, they just they, voted to change the Davis right. Cup, and uh, personally, and I do work with the ITF personally. I think the the change is going to fail. What's the changes? What do they do? So before it was country to okay, country, it was, what is it? It was country to country, and there was always a home and away team. And while it, you know everybody in the U.S. judges everything by the U.S. point of view, the truth of the matter is Davis Cup was really popular. Was it's it? Just not here. Right, yeah. Ah. I mean, you they were just the last round, the quarterfinal round in Spain with Rafa. They had like 27,000 people going. Right, because that's what I'm saying. It like, taps into like, the nationalist, and like you have World Cup-y. To me, you have to have that home and away thing. Now what they're going to do is they're going to have, um, I think it will be uh, 16 countries in a first round home and away. And then after that, that will be like February. And then nothing until like November when they're going to have at the same neutral venue, uh, 18 teams playing first around Robin okay. and then from the quarterfinals, like a knockout. But you know, this year it's. I think it's going to be in um, Madrid the first time, in a stadium that really is. It's very big. It's very modern. It has no soul. Hmm. But um, they're going to have it there. And yes, they're going to get Rafa fans out there. And and Spain's going to be big. But who's coming for to root for the U.S. Right. Team? I mean, or I feel like that defeats it's, the purpose. It, yeah. I because I I am the layman here. Did it used to be always be in the U.S. and the changes no. that they're moving it abroad? It was just no, where the countries would play. It was always a home and away. So oh, one country always had a home advantage, but it could be all over the world. I've covered Davis Cup. Um, it, the last Davis Cup match I covered was last year in Colombia, uh, in in the country of Colombia, and then I've covered in Belgium. I've covered in. Um, Italy, I've covered in Australia, I've covered in the United States, I've done, so it's it, it moves around the calendar. And the problem, and there were problems with it, is that it was spread out through the whole calendar, which is hard to get a feel. Although, the truth is, the World Cup is also spread out. All those uh, well, the qualifying, qualifying but, yeah. rounds and everything take a year yeah. and they're spread out. Yeah, but stuff. then the big tournament happens yeah. all at one time. Because so the tennis it's this big momentum. Essentially, the Davis Cup is like you have two guys who play singles against each other. Well, and there's like it's now big, you have two there, singles the first day, a doubles on Saturday, and yeah. reverse single matches on Sunday. But, yeah, but it's going to go to I think just two singles and one doubles. Mm. All right. Well, so they're going against so, my. They're not listening to me. No, they didn't. <laughs> well, because well, it doesn't. I don't, you didn't even up? give us your point yet. My yeah. point was, they need to find a way to make it more uh, popular. But I don't think that's going to work. Like, I feel like if like more popular in America, I guess get Americans right. into it. I feel like Davis she, Cup. Uh, Sandy's saying they don't. Who cares? Yeah. Screw the Americans. Yeah, well, it's already popular around the world. Cater to the people it's popular for. I'm on your side. I, I didn't. <laughs> we were having a good I'm argument. in. <laughs> You're in. I don't know what it's about, but yeah. I'm in. in no, because remember in the World Cup in '94 when they wanted to have it in the U.S. and we made them add quarters. 
Do you know instead of just playing we two did? halves? Yeah, they played four quarters. They did in 94? Yeah, because that was a concession they gave to us that oh. if you want to have it here in the U.S., we'll do it, right. but we need to put in advertising. Right. Well, did we just, I think Americans just want, if we had better players, people would be more, if we were winning it, they'd be more, that's simple. That's they don't have to change but the format. But why do you need that's the U.S. A, involved? Who cares? Well, well you need, I mean, the U.S., <laughs> you know, there was a time when the boom, and I think in 78, it didn't have to, people in this country love Bjorn Borg. Yeah. You know, even though he was Swedish. People liked Kajamal Vilas, even though he was Argentine. It was just a boom. Yeah. But you had the foil, you had the Jimmy Connors. Right. And then you well, had all those guys had personality. Well not Borg. Venus Garolitis coming yeah. in there. So you had the thing. Now it's that we we haven't had a champion since uh Andy Roddick won the US Open in two thousand and three. But- What's your favorite tournament to cover? You know that's so hard. I I, I don't really have one. There. What's I have your a number. Favorite? My second. Favorite. <laughs> I, I well, it's everything's for a different thing. I love Paris, the French Open, because Ooh, I love la, Paris. Wee wee. Oui, oui. You know, I love Shanghai because I go and I have dresses made and you know, <laughs> I shop and stuff. And you know what? All the time I've spent. In China, I have two Chinese words, Ni Hao and Shei Shei. Oh. And beyond that, I know well, nothing. You don't know Taiguela? No, that means it. too expensive when too you're uh, bargaining. Oh, oh I, better she- re- I better write that one <laughs> yeah. down. Like, I need that. What's Shay Shay? Shay Shay's thank you. Oh, okay, it's like yeah. Shay Stadium no, twice. Don't be so polite. Too and expensive. then the other one people always learn is is Taiguela for too expensive, and then they learn uh, uh, Bing Kwai, which means Bing Kwai. ice. Ice. Because they always serve you like hot soda. If you're like, oh, I have a Coke, and then it just comes hot. Oh my god! And so people or like beer a lot of times hot, and so you just have to ask like, for ice. Not warm, like hot. <laughs> oh, like warm, like oh, it's never been like it's never the middle of summer, right. and they don't put it in. A, in oh a, but yeah, I don't use the ice in China. Yes. Oh, I'm skeptical. careful. In well, Bing means like cold, right? <laughs> you know, I don't. There are certain countries you don't drink the water. Oh, I drank the water for twelve years. Yeah, I had two parasites, but I, dr- I drank <laughs> there the water. you go. Yeah. I had it once in Moscow, I had no idea that, and I was very careful is, because I I read. I always look at the State Department. If they say don't drink the water, I is listen there to things them. to worry about in Russia? Although I don't know if I should <laughs> listen to Trump's State Department, but uh, yeah, well, anyway, the so State uh, Department is full of crooks. Yeah. My brother <laughs> works in the State, State Department. Don't I don't listen to him? Yeah, he's, 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 he's a Trumper. <laughs> He is not. He's rising up the ranks of that administration. <laughs> I always look at the water and I had parasites once from Moscow. No fun. Can't no, it was no fun. Uh so you we should mention you have a book that's one a great topic of mine. For, oh, yeah. About uh, uh Jewish tennis players, right? The greatest, the greatest Jewish tennis players of all time, not my name. I wanted to call it Game Set and Matzah. Games. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great title this should uh first of all it's a great book you should make it into an i feel like this should, someone should make this into an app because i every single time i see esner every year i forget and i google see if he's jewish he's not he's not no <laughs> every time he's doing well i'm like i saw like kevin anderson's like what you mentioned him earlier i saw his like wife in the stands and it looked like she had a humsa necklace or something so i was like trying to figure out if he was jewish he's not no. Maybe she's like half. I'm Wait, sure. so who's the greatest uh, <laughs> Jewish tennis player of all time? Jason uh, Hammer. No. No. Uh, Dick Savitt. Um, Dick Savitt. He, big name. He won. Yeah, big. <laughs> he's actually, he's incredible. He's in his 80s. He lives here in Manhattan. And to my best of my knowledge, he still goes to his office at the uh, fi- some financial firm like every day. Although last time I was, he told me. I only go to three o'clock now. But he had to work to after tennis because he was. Well, he left tennis before he really had to. He won uh, Wimbledon and he 
won the Australian and he won Wimbledon and then he was injured at the U.S. Open and he came back for a little bit, but he had to, um, you know, basically go to work or he was going to teach tennis. Right. So he just left afterwards. He would have wow. won more titles. Yeah, we didn't really, we, we, days, we glossed over this in the beginning when you're talking about Arthur Ashe, but like there was no, there was like, you'd play all these majors. You didn't, they weren't, they were for amateurs only. Yeah. And then it was like a pro tennis right. circuit you'd play. And then they, then they finally, re- so you couldn't really you have exhibitions. A you had a career as like, Playing exhibitions, right, to make money if right. you want to, you or could play if exhibitions, you're a top. but well, you're not supposed to play the exhibitions if you were going to play those. You couldn't play so in you, the majors then if you were going right, to, right. right? So right, you right. were missing if you want. Once you became a pro and took money and played these exhibitions, you couldn't play the Wimbledon's and the U.S. Nationals and stuff. So he eventually was like, "Well, I got to go out there and make a living." So he yeah. went into finance, but you know, wow. before. Um, he he would have in today's world probably played longer. I mean, you're talking about eighty something. You know what he needs? Guy. He needs some money. He should be the one who's spouting off battle. He could beat women playing today. <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought you was eighty something years old. <laughs> tennis. You know what eighty year old do? Actually, uh, a funny story. Um, my uh, the guy who's the publisher of the book. Uh-huh. He just posted a thing that it was like. Uh, 73 that it was the anniversary of the day that the court said that um uh, renee richards could play as a woman on the tour okay and yeah. some she was way ahead of her time person there. saw it and started well we'll see how this hap- goes i mean it's not fair to the women and um you know what's he afraid to play the men and everything i think this is going to be a disaster he didn't look at it to see this this happened years ago. Renee's oh. 80 something years old. He is, oh, she yeah. is put not that on Twitter playing. now. Yeah. You put old news that happened on Twitter and look at What a way nuts. to find out that your current views are not current. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to find it's out like, that. And I said to this, and I, I said, I don't get what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. This happened in 1977 yeah, or something. It was, I think it was 1977. S- Sandy, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, what's so your article? Where can people find it about Arthur Ashe? Uh, USA Today. USA Today. Well, t- next two weeks. Fantastic. Online. They have an online site. And enjoy the yes. uh, the open. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And what's your your Twitter? Or oh, yeah. You- oh, at Tennis Grapevine. One word. Tennis Grapevine. Fantastic. I can remember that. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Jack, let's get to the news. Bring on the music. Sandy Harwood for doing the podcast. She had to run. Had to run to an event, a U.S. Open event. Big time U.S. Open events going yeah. on all over New York City. She's a big wig. Yeah, didn't invite us to come along. I think she thought I'd embarrass her in my Federer outfit. First <laughs> news story of the week to us comes to us from the Daily Mail. All right. My favorites. Animal rights campaigners are ratcheting up attempts to save rats from city authorities who are trying to curb the rat population in Paris. Oh, my God. Rats have rights. It's a vermins should be allowed to roam in Paris as protesters. So they're protesting the, de- the the extermination of rats in Paris. You know, with all that's going on with Trump and another, there's a lot of horrible things going on in the world. ISIS. ISIS. There's a lot of worthy causes to <laughs> resist the to resist in favor of rats. Seems pretty low in the list. Here's what I have to say. I've been saying this for a while. After When you do comedy in New York City for a while, there's a lot of people who are good, and there are a lot of people who are just 
downright dog shit. Yeah. Just terrible comedians. And I, I've you not everyone. This is a epiphany I've had epiphany I had recently. Not everyone has to be a comedian. Right. So you're saying there's a lot a- of people that just don't got it. Right. Not everyone has to have a podcast either. Exactly. <laughs> In that same vein, not every animal needs to be saved. Yeah, you're right. Some animals just natural you need selection. To just kill them all. And there's plenty of rats. There's too many rats. There's so too many says, comedians out there. Too many podcasts out there. There's, there's too many rats. And one in the same, <laughs> if you ask me. Yeah. And I, do you know that the, in in Paris, this says there are around four million rats. I it mean, is a one to eight rat to human ratio. Wow. So eight you, rats per every human. So if you're looking to hook up with a rat, if I you got that. a really good odds. <laughs> it's a great, great ratio. Uh, eight rats per human. You know what the problem is? This is why in the movie industry, censorship, maybe the I'm- rats should be protesting to save the yeah, humans. Yeah, but did you ever see the movie Ratatouille? You probably haven't since you don't have kids. No. It's a movie about an adorable French rat who cooks in the kitchen. He's a secretly a tremendous chef. It's a very popular movie, but I think the, the, the people, it's gone to their head a little bit. They're, they're, it's humanized them. It's, we need to make. We a, need to we, dehumanize. Dehumanize rats. We need to make another uh, Ratatouille two, where he becomes like a like when Jimmy Fallon uh, <laughs> uh, uh, smudged around uh, uh, Donald Trump's hair. He humanized him. Yes, and that's what Ratatouille did. They humanized. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was pretty adorable. You're, you kind of like rats. The Jimmy eat, Fallon, the rats. The, the Jimmy Fallon effect. <laughs> well, I don't like it. All right. So she has a Facebook page. Save the ra- rats. Do they have a lot of rats in China? Like, is it like a Big problem like it is in New York and no, it's Paris. not. It's a much bigger problem in New York City. I mean, I'm sure they have them, but I didn't know they weren't to... part of my daily life like they are in New York. What about cockroaches? Yeah, I guess, but not like not like New York City. Not like New York City. Yeah, we see right. You must. So do you, do you still? Have, how New Yorker? It's a good test of how New Yorker you are. Do you flinch when you see a rat now, or you don't even care? I don't care. Your wife? No, she doesn't care anymore. We had this conversation a couple of days ago. She used to freak out. Now yeah. she's like, whatever. Especially mice. I think we killed eight mice in our apartment at one time. Whoa. You guys are freaking serial killers, according oh, to these people. Yeah, these, they're going uh, to be outside your apartment protesting. Bring it on, you <laughs> Frenchy. Last news story of the week from the Shanghaiest, our old friends at the Shanghaiest. Yeah. Earlier this month, a bus driver was cruising down a mountain road in rural Yunnan province in China when a large rock <laughs> fell from above, smashed through his windshield, and nailed him right in the shoulder before ricocheting back and knocking him onto the knocking him on the head. Despite two blows to the head, this bus driver. Managed to keep control of the bus, which is carrying 14 passengers. He's in some serious pain, but he also managed to stay at the wheel for the next 10 minutes until he made it to a service station. How about that? That's kind of blows my mind. I, I, I remember like having a notebook in like high school where I'd write down my very first things I thought were like writing bits or whatever. Yeah. And I just remember looking at it once years later and being like, this is all stupid. But then I had like something where I was like, what's the point of those signs that say falling rock? Like, <laughs> yeah. is there ever going to be a falling rock? Like, That's what? A great like, bit. Like, why did they have these signs? Like, I did. This is the I sign did. was for this guy. They need that <laughs> sign in China. I, just, I remember this. Like one of the things I could read in my notebook. Uh, the the falling That's rock line. Great. They have to take the time to build the sign and do all this thing. And is it going to save one goddamn person? Well, and then could by it the save time, this guy. By the time, no, no, no. But it didn't save him. But they didn't have a sign. Well, even if they did, what is he supposed to do right, when the rock the comes, <laughs> comes through his seat, through his roof? Yeah, smashes in the car while you're reading the sign. He's supposed to swerve because you see a sign. Yeah, you have to really get reflexes. Even if the rock, even if there is a sign, it doesn't mean future self-driving cars are going to see the sign in like reverse. That's genius. <laughs> Sensors. I think for all this, any any hack comedian in the world talks about how Chinese people can't drive. Well, I say hogwash. This yeah. guy got hit in the head with a rock twice, <laughs> and he still kept control of the bus. Kept control. 
was he? And it's like speed, but like he's like the speed bus driver from the movie. If except think, with yeah, natural but if elements. Think about it. He's probably the best driver in the world because if you're a Chinese bus driver, yeah. the amount of things in your career you have to swerve. Just chickens running through the street, <laughs> guys coming out on bicycles, some guy running down the street, no Ice cream on. trucks, they don't know what those are. Uh, rocks. Yeah, he's been swerving stuff his whole career. He's the Sully of uh, the Chinese Sully bus drivers. Sullenberger. <laughs> Tom, he could have landed that bus in the Hudson. Tom, we we got to make it a sequel. New movie. Yeah. <laughs> Get on it, team production. Shout out to him. Kaplan, that's our podcast. Yeah, good pod. Great pod. Sandy, thanks for doing the pod. Go check her out. Read her in the USA Today. Yeah. Read Go her in everything. Watch the US Open. Tennis needs your support. And I will see you at the Punchline Comedy Club tonight in Sacramento, California. Buy that Southwest Airlines ticket. All right. Let's get lost. Get lost. <laughs> <laughs>